want to continue speaking about the ascension of Christ, as I spoke about last week. We have our high holidays of Good Friday. We know what Good Friday is. We have Easter. We spend a lot of time in these truths. And then all of a sudden we just leave the ascension and we forget that Jesus Christ was physically and bodily raised to the right hand of God. And what does that mean for you and me today? Does it mean anything? Well, you're going to find out it means a lot more than you might think. And uh, so I'm going to spend some time on that in the book of Ephesians. I will read 15 to 22 and then uh, chapter 2, verse 6. What happened here? Get over here. Where are you? There you are. Okay. Are we ready? Okay. For this reason, because I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Having having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which you have been called, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come." And he put all things under his feet and gave him as the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Chapter 2, verse 6. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, that we're not the same people we were when we came into here, Father. We know that you have given us a high status. You have given us great spiritual authority to live the Christian life and to carry the Christian message, Father God. Because now that we are co-heirs of Christ, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. You have given us authority in the spiritual realm, Father God. I pray that every Christian that can hear my voice can understand the spiritual authority you have given us, Father God. The hope of our calling, Father God. And to have a greater knowledge of you as our Heavenly Father that brings a great assurance and comfort and peace to our hearts as we live in this world, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As last week we started about Christ's ascension, I want to follow up on that. I finished on... uh, on this verse last week, I spoke a little bit about it. I'm going to speak a little bit more about it. Why is it important to know that we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms? This metaphor, what does it mean? What does it mean for you and me today? You wake up, you go to work, you change the, uh, the, uh, the baby's diapers, you're trying to pay your bills, but we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. How important is this to our life? Well, we're going to let the text speak to us today and to see just how important it is that Christ was raised bodily and metaphorically we are raised with him. We will reign with Christ. As a matter of fact, we're reigning with Christ right now. And God wants us all to know the spiritual inheritance that we have and how important it is for our Christian life, for our Christian witness, for our friends and family. And he wants us to take our rightful place as Christians in this world of darkness. We are the salt of the world. We are the light of the world with Christ. So I want to speak about a couple of these things. But it's important to understand what the Bible speaks about the world. 
The world the Bible teaches is controlled by Satan. 1 John 5.19 says that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Simple as that. The most important realms of his influence are in false religions. This is important to know. Which are all religions outside of genuine Christian experience. Unless a man be born again, he cannot enter or understand the kingdom of God. Everything outside of relationship with Jesus Christ, no matter how good it sounds, no matter how many people follow it, no matter how many books are sold, no matter how many stadiums are sold out, understand something, it leads to death. Period. World governments, philosophies, ideologies, all have to bow to Christ. They're all satanically influenced. Any approach to life on planet earth that does not lead to men to repentance and faith in Jesus is satanic. Anyone. Even what half-truths they might have. Because Proverbs 14.12 says... There is a way that, that there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. So what is it to know all knowledge and have all experience but forfeit your soul? Only Christ is the light of the world, period. But the Christians have a living Savior. I want you to know he's alive and well, he's in full control. Alright, so please I don't know what's going on in your life that think that makes you think God's not in control. Please, put whatever going on in your life aside and remember, Christ is in control. In full control. And Paul wants us to know that. He's fully God. He's fully man. He's right now in heaven. He's right now in his resurrected body, right next to God Almighty, the Father. Understand what this means in Scripture. There's no higher office in the universe than being at the right hand of God the Father. He's above every president, every bishop, every pope, every pastor, every government, whatever it can be, whatever it can be named, nothing reigns over Christ. Christ is in absolute full control, has authority over all things, all people, all governments, good, bad, indifferent, makes no difference. He's in full control. It's the highest office. In the universe, whether visible or invisible, whether spiritual or earthly, Jesus is directing human history. That very ignamic sort of verse of scripture when John the, uh, the apostle was raptured up into heaven and he saw the seven scrolls and he was crying because no one was worthy to open up the seven scrolls. The angel told him, do not worry, John. The Lamb of God is worthy to open up the seven seals of human history. Jesus Christ is in absolute control of human history. And if you believe it, and I hope you do, he's in control of your life. He knows your tomorrow. He knows your next week. He knows your next month. He knows every fear. He knows every hope, every disappointment you have. Jesus is in absolute full control. I choose to believe that. It brings a great peace and hope in my heart. And I can operate as a Christian man while the world looks like it's going on crazy around me. I can still operate in the fruit of the spirit. I can still operate in God's love and carry God's message. Leaving my stuff to God, he'll take care of me. Does that make sense? Many times we get caught up in life and we forget that we're part of something bigger. 
And these other distractions come into our life and we forget that Jesus is in full control and I got to wait till my life gets back in order so I can live like a Christian. Ran into somebody a couple weeks ago. They said, when my life gets back together, I'll come back to church. I said, you're never going to have your life back together because you're not going to come to church. You, You come to church to get your life together. You don't wait till it's together. Because if you put it together, someone else can take it apart. But when you're waiting for God to put it together, guess what? No weapon formed against us shall prosper. The end of all things are under his sovereign control. Human destiny is under the sovereign control of Jesus Christ. Understand something. To the true believer, this brings great comfort into our life. And you know, I just read a text that, or I'm going to read a text that is... It's high. It's high theology. It's not easy to grasp. And I want to share a word from one gentleman I read on this. He says this. We live in a society that has largely stopped thinking. The complexity of life and the overload of information available today has driven us to trite television shows and spectator sports as our main areas of mental stimulation. This text does not suggest we should all be academics or that solutions to life are all academic. But Christians must always grow in wisdom and in their understanding of life. God and the relevance of their faith. Wisdom is practical knowledge for right living. The church and Christians should first of all be a community of thinkers. Not thinking in distinction from action, but thinking as the basis for all their actions. Ignorance is an ethical issue. We come to a text that's going to force us to think. Many will avoid this kind of text because it's hard to grapple with. But we will not do that because this is, this is solid food for the mature. That when you have it, you will start to rest more comfortably in the arms of God. When you understand who he is and who we are and what the ascension is all about. That Jesus Christ doesn't get caught up in the air and we, don't, we forget about him. No, he's actively at the right hand of God, interceding for us, caring for us. He has our best intentions in his heart. He is proactive at this very moment trying to secure your future. Can you say amen to that? Amen. And that's, a, that, that's a pretty good hope. That God wants his children to know this while we're still on this world is obvious. And I'm going to try to make it obvious. The truth we just read in these scriptures is actually a prayer of the Apostle Paul. It's actually prayer. And that says everything about the content. A prayer from Paul, he was their spiritual father. He birthed this church. He was the shepherd of their souls. He loved this church. He loved the people in this church. And Paul, like always, he encourages his congregation, and that's what he did. Then he prays for them. And his prayer is insightful for us today as it was much was for them. He knows that God has opened their hearts and minds to these elevated truths about Jesus' authority over all things. But nevertheless, he does not. He does, and so do all faithful ministers of the gospel, To teach the truth that God has given us and to do it without praying is worthless. Please hear that. To learn Christian truth without praying is an empty endeavor. 
One of the things that John and myself do constantly is to pray that God will enlighten the hearts and the minds of the people at Sonship, that you can grasp the knowledge of God and you can appropriate it in your own personal lives. I can do the best I can to explain the text and to bring it forth in its historical context, but unless God does a greater work in our lives, we're going to miss it. How many people like to read their Bible? How many people like to pray and read their Bible? I hope both hands went up. Because without the prayer, Bible is going to be very, very difficult. But when you're praying for God to open up your eyes, make this your prayer that God would open up your eyes to understand what the Bible teaches us. There's four things I want to touch upon tonight. I'll probably only get to one or two. There's really one or two that's really important to me. about the resurrection and the ascension, that is an important part to our Christian life. One second. In verse 17, he speaks about knowing the knowledge of him as father. The second one is to know the hope of our calling. And the third one I'll speak about were for power for those who believe. This resurrection and ascension power. What is this power Paul so desperately wants the church at Ephesus to really know? What's this power he wants you and I to know? This is really important. I'm going to spend some time on on hope today and the power of the resurrection in witnessing and living the gospel life. Why these are needed today, I should say, Paul, like all ministers, wants his congregation to grow inwardly, to mature. John and myself, Patty, as, as, as ministers, we want you guys to understand just how powerful you are because of Jesus Christ. In every sphere of influence you're in, just what Jesus Christ has done for you. So important to understand. Paul wants us, God wants us to be unshakable in our faith. He wants us to be unstoppable in our witness. And unrelenting in our fight against all opposition. This is the call and the hope of the Christian church. I'm going to ask you, is your faith unshakable? How would you like to have unshakable faith? How would you like to be unstoppable in your witness? Under the threat of death, you will gladly continue to what? Share Christ with others. And no matter what the devil throws against us, to be unrelenting and getting up and doing it all again tomorrow. As Paul did every time they chased him around and they chastised him and they stoned him and they whipped him. He just got up and went to another town. He was unrelenting. And that's what we're called to do. Because what Christ has done, who he is, and how we're seated with him in heavenly places. Let me give you a little history of what's going on over here. Why it's needed. Ephesus was an extremely pagan city. Hedonism was everywhere. The occult was everywhere. Immorality was everywhere. False gods were everywhere. False religions were a dime a dozen. Fear, superstition, orgy, sex, drunkenness were the norms. And everybody in this church came out of that background. Everybody came out of this hidden, pagan, superstitious, occult background. Just like us today, when we come out and we become Christians, we come out of so much uh, satanic activity, false teaching, false religion, false philosophies, atheism, 
immoralities and we come to Christ and Christ starts a whole new brand new work in us and now we have to learn how to live in that very society we came out of and be the light of the world. We have to realize that the resistance to the Christian faith is still as strong today as it was 2,000 years ago. Paul wanted his congregation to know who they were in Christ. Did you ever hear put on the full armor of God? Did you ever hear that? You know what it means? Are you sure? Did you put it on this morning? Because if you put it on tomorrow, this morning, it's too late. If it's not in you already... It's who Christ is and who we are in Christ. This is why. If I have to get dressed in the morning and put it on real quick, you're never going to make it. It's got to be living in you on a daily basis to understand who Christ is and what he has done. This is putting on the full armor of God. It's a slow dressing. It's called maturity. It's maturing in the Christian faith. As we mature in the Christian faith, we put on Christ. We put on the helmet of salvation. We have the breastplate of righteousness. We have the sword of the spirit. And we can do battle every day, no matter how relentless Satan is against us. No matter how immoral the culture gets. No matter how many false religions and ideologies rise up. We stand strong. This is what's going on in the background here. As we read before in chapter 2, verse 6, Paul wanted this congregation to know that they are seated with Christ. This all happens as a Christian begins to know God as Father, as Paul says in verse 17, that you may know God the Father. This is what Paul wants his congregation to know. When a young Christian is saved, he saves, she's saved. They know something different has happened. They know something great is going on. They know that Jesus is the son. They know that Jesus is real and they're coming to follow Jesus. But what we really need to know is to rest in the loving arms of God as our father. The sense of security and assurance and of strength. This is what God wants us to know. A safety and assurance takes root in our heart. That's what Paul is praying for. Instead of fears and superstition, that's what they came out of, being at the heart of their existence. Now peace and comfort are the great intangibles of this Christian's life. That's what God has for us. And the believer has to know... As if if he or she is in heaven with Christ, or at least in the way Jesus lived his life on earth. To be in Christ for the believer is to live in a deep trust to God the Father. That's how Jesus lived. That's how he lived his life. He lived his life under the law in a deep trust that God can do all things through him. And that's what God has for us. We'll speak more about this later on. The next thing Paul wants them to know, and to us to know as we get closer to know God as our real father, is the surpassing greatness of his power. Let's just go read that again. Can we pull that up? Verse 18. 19. Have it? Yeah, thank you. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might? 
that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church. Let's hold on right there. Paul wanted the believers to know in Ephesus that the fights they were up against could have no match to Jesus Christ as the head of the church. Jesus Christ is the head of every government, every principality, every demon, every satanic influence. Jesus Christ is the head over. And guess what? We need to know that today. When we see what's taking place today in the government, what's going on in in, in America today, the Christian needs to rise up, not be quiet. I ask everybody in this room, why are you quiet? Do you know you're seated with Christ? Do you know you have spiritual authority? Do you know when you speak and you use the name of Christ, things have to happen? Do you understand you have the power to open up the hearts of other people? As you tell them the gospel truth and you go toe-to-toe with ideologies and you go toe-to-toe with satanic influences and the doctrine of the demons and you speak about your loving Savior, guess what? You are walking in authority. Too many Christians, unfortunately, don't know who they are in Christ and how much power is at our fingertips in the name of Christ. We don't back down. We keep going. We keep sharing Christ. This is what it means to be in Christ. This is what it means to be seated with Christ in heavenly places. When we read about these things, these aren't places. These are power and authority. That Christ has all authority. And now we do. Can you believe that? Can you believe you have all authority in Christ? I shared this before. First time I went to a hospice. You go to a hospice and you're like, what am I going to say? There's death everywhere. What are you going to tell somebody? Well, if you don't have your health, you have nothing. What are you going to tell somebody who's dying? What are you going to go into a room of four people just preparing to die? Do we go in there and just say, hi, how you feeling? I realize that that moment, when we go in there, we have the power of eternal life. We have the power of the message of the gospel. When I go into a hospice now, I don't go in there, how are you doing? Is everything okay? I go in there and say, God is with you. God is here. God is here to forgive you and give you eternal life. That's the power that we have. We don't go in saying, what can we do? You go in there proclaiming them in a loving, quiet way. You can do that. But make sure when you go there, you tell people, Jesus died for you. You can have eternal life now. That's the authority that Christ has given us. Wherever we are, whatever room you go into, I make it a point, no matter where I am, when I go in there... I am the authority in that room. I have the message of eternal life and eternal hope. No matter what somebody has done, no matter what they're caught up into, I will not be intimidated. I will go in there armed with the knowledge that I sit with Christ in heavenly places and I have a message that can raise the dead. No matter how many people don't want to hear it, if nine people don't want to hear it, I don't care about the nine, I care about the... That's it. The fear of man has gripped too many Christian people. 
Do not let the fear of man determine your Christian life. Let the text that says you're seated with Christ in heavenly places and Paul is praying that we would know this great surpassing power that has raised Christ from the dead, that has seated him in heavenly places and we're seated with him. Paul wants the church to know and wants us to know this is the power we have. You're not the automotive guy. I'm not the trainer. You don't work for a, a financial institution. You don't work for DHL. You don't work for your own company. No, we're ambassadors of Christ. These are the spheres of our influence, but we're seated with Christ. We are royalty, and we have power to speak for God and to make things happen. You don't just say, well, I'm only this. And I'm, you're not that. You're not a fireman. You're not a cop. You're an ambassador of Christ. You're seated in heavenly places. You have the power of eternal life on your lips. But Paul knows that's not easy to grasp. I know that's not easy to grasp. That's why Paul and ministers get on our knees and we pray before the sermon and we pray as we're preparing. God, open up their hearts to understand. believer in Ephesus as today is the believer in Brooklyn need to fight against all the schemes of the enemy. Listen to Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 to 12. We all know it. Finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That's, this, is not the, this is not the present we're fighting against. This is not Uh, The Pope we're fighting against. This is not the mayor we're fighting against. This is not false ideologies we're fighting against. This is satanic. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual of evil in the heavenly places. This is what we're fighting against. You know that person on the job that doesn't want to hear about Jesus and is trying to turn everybody against you? It's not him. You know the family member that doesn't like you reading your Bible? Do you know the family member that doesn't want you speaking about Jesus anymore? Do you know the family member that's upset that you're born again now? Do you know that family member that's... Listen to me. You're the authority. Not them. And guess who's behind that? It's not them. It's satanic. Paul makes it clear. That's why we need the armor of God. Our mind and our heart has to be pre-prepared for battle by knowing who Christ is, what he has done, and who we are as Christians now, and what I can do for Christ. I remember the first time when I was saved, a couple of weeks, I handed out my first track. I've shared this before. I was so scared. But I took my tracks, and I went down to the water, and I was handing them out by the pier, and there was this one guy coming. I said, oh, God, man. <laughs> Tremble. I was sweating. And I went up to him and I handed him the track. And by the time he opened it, I probably ran a mile. And I turned around. He was reading it. But you got to take the baby steps. Now, it makes no difference. You can hand out a track. You can speak about Jesus. I don't care. Friend, foe, it makes no difference. We can do it. doesn't mean we don't have fear and trembling, but we know who we are in Christ, and we do it. Amen? This is what we're called to do. And we grow in this. Many Christians grow in love and they love one another and they're compassionate. Uh, many Christians grow in, in their generosity. Uh, uh, you know, many Christians grow morally and they're morally, they're, they're, they're pure. But many Christians don't grow 
in this type of authority. When it comes to witnessing the gospel and standing firm and going toe to toe and talking to people about Christ, that he's the real, true and living God. And without him, there is no salvation. Many Christians forfeit that. The eyes of their heart have not been enlightened. That's why we pray. I think it's the last frontier for a lot of believers. I asked you today, where's your witness? Is it starting to grow? Are you starting to pick that up? All believers fight throughout the ages. And they fight from a position of spiritual authority. And that's what this text is about. Paul wants his church to know, Paul wants us to know the spiritual authority that we have. You ever see someone set free? You ever see someone set free spiritually? Have you been used by Christ to lead someone to Christ? Do you know what it's like when someone says, thank you? Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for telling me about Christ. Thank you for telling me about Jesus. Do you know the joy? There's nothing more invigorating. Once you've tasted of what it means to use by God to set someone free, you're hooked. Understand something. That's why we're here. That's why John.